Welcome to IT Visionaries, created by The Mission, your number one source for accelerated learning. On this episode of IT Visionaries, we sit down at Dreamforce with Cameron Ziai and Cindy Brashears to discuss the changing role of IT in today's business world. Cameron leads the global IT team at CenturyLink, developing products and services that contribute to the strategic growth of the company across consumer and enterprise businesses. Cindy Brashears is the Chief Transformation Officer at Blue Wolf, an IBM company. In this role, Cindy is responsible for providing advisory digital transformation thought leadership for Blue Wolf and IBM strategic accounts. IT Visionaries is brought to you by the Lightning Platform by Salesforce. The Lightning Platform is a leading cloud platform that makes building AI-powered apps faster and easier. With Salesforce, now everyone is empowered to build apps for their organization. Learn more at salesforce.com slash buildapps. Welcome to another episode of IT Visionaries. Today I'm joined by two guests and we're sitting here in the 15th floor of the Salesforce Tower looking over Dreamforce, which we have 170,000 people below us talking about all things Salesforce. And today we're going to be talking about IT as always. Cameron, how's it going? Going well, thank you. So before we get into our second guest, tell me a little bit about IT at CenturyLink. So we are a global company. So IT has a global footing. We are uh, mostly in the US, of course, but we have offices in Argentina that actually look after all the LATAM business. We also have a, uh, an IT center in London that looks after all the EMEA. We are a team of developers, professionals, architects, basically looking after all the IT functions and businesses across CenturyLink. And our second guest might sound a little familiar to uh, our listeners of IT Visionaries. Cindy, how's it going? It's going good. How's it going, Ian? Good. So how are things at IBM Blue Wolf? They're doing great. Great week at Dreamforce. Just had so much opportunity to keynote what's awesome yesterday and just meeting a lot of people and, and learning a lot of things. So, and you were on a panel, was that earlier this morning, right? Right. I was on the IT Visionaries for 2019. Great. And what was the focus of your panel? It was really around the vision for into 2019 for customer, employee, and partner experience and how you how the CIOs that were on the panel, that their visions and their plans are for the current you know, 2019 year. So let's get into some of the details on CenturyLink IT. What type of things are you looking at for innovation right now? What are some of the kind of like short-term goals that you kind of have for IT? So... A couple of things. You know, we recently announced uh, last year the merger between CenturyLink and Level 3. That went through last November. So, you know, we are heavily engaged in an integration of the two companies. And, you know, the theme of the whole business is transformation of customer experience. So we're spending quite a bit of time in terms of not just integrating all the IT backend systems that we have to do anyway, but also how do we think about, you know, flow-through automation, the change of customer experience in the sense that they have a real-time experience with, with us from a time that actually they come into our portals or they call us for service all the way till, you know, they get the first bill. They have a very smooth and seamless operation. You know, in Cindy's episode, we talked a lot about customer experience and how 
like elite IT leaders are shaping customer experience. How do you view customer experience at CenturyLink? Customer experience, in my view, right now. So let me take it, take you back a little bit, fifty years when actually the company started as a as a local telco provider in in Louisiana. Through acquisitions, its own organic growth. Now this company has grown to be a triple play operator across the whole world. Basically, we actually operate in sixty plus countries. We have a one of the largest global fiber networks in the world. So our customer experience has gone from the old telco business to now a technology company. And that's the transformation that we are actually, the journey that we are in right now. In that journey, we're, we're moving from knowing us as a telco provider that you pick up the phone and, and that's the service that we provide to a slew of security services, a slew of connectivity services, a slew of you know, voice platforms, any, anything in an enterprise uh, needs. So, so that transformation is, like I said before, is taking place. We want it to be very seamless. We don't want it to be, we want the customers not be aware of the internal backend processes. They come in, they sign up for the service or the solution that they want, and we provide that solution for them. And it's seamless to them what our backend processes and systems are. And one of the things that you know, I think they're also doing at CenturyLink is, is really changing the from an executive layer, bringing people in. Yes. You know, that have had that experience before building a customer experience journey, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, I've been with the company for less than two years. The company realized the fact that, you know, to make that bridge from the old telco provider to a technology company, they need fresh blood. So they're bringing people from all walks of life who've been there, done that before, to make this journey with them. And so what, tell me a little bit about your background and kind of what that prep was like coming into the organization for, right. you know, a place that's been around for for 50 plus years. Right. I mean, because one of the things that, you know, last night when we were, we were sitting with a bunch of CIOs, we were talking to CIO of Michelin, we we're talking to the CIO of Home Depot and a few things like that. And you look at the, these companies that have, you know, 50 year histories, 100 year histories of some kind, it's kind of a, a jolt to come in and say, hey, I think there's some opportunities here to innovate. What, how did you kind of leverage your experience to do that? Since college, I've been in IT. I started from the you know DBA and systems engineering rank all the way up to, to where I am. I spent the past 16 years in Europe as CTO, CIO of uh, some of the MSOs within Europe. So in there, you know, I saw a lot of diversity of thought within those countries and those companies that I worked for. And one of the things that I think I can have brought into, into CenturyLink, aside from, the, of course, the technology experience and the knowledge of, of the domain, is that diversity of thought, of the fact that, you know, we, you know, different backgrounds, we've delivered a lot of different experiences to our customers. From an innovation perspective that you just mentioned, in that perspective, we are, you know, I've, I'm very active in the Valley. I sit on the board of a couple of companies, innovation companies, technical companies in the Valley. And we always look for incubating new ideas, new technologies that are disruptive to our business. And we can bring them in and we can incubate those ideas and use them to differentiate us from our competitors. One of the things that we talked about yesterday on our panel with Joanne, the CIO of Salesforce, was this idea of cannibalization mm -hmm. and how a lot of times you're looking to disrupt the things that you're already doing and you just spent five years, you know, implementing something and then now you're you're already looking at something that's going to disrupt that. How do you shape that with leadership when saying, hey, we just made an investment in this five years ago? 
Yeah, you know, the world is changing and we have to change with it. If we stick with the old ways because we've always done it such a way or because we've made so much investment in this, so we're going to stick with it. Those ways of thinking are futile for the business. So we have to constantly think about how can we improve ourselves? And that improvement sometimes means that we have to do away with what we've done in the past completely and look for new ways of solving issues, solving problems for our customers. So that to me is, is, is very important. And that's the leadership that you know, we try to bring in to our organization as well, saying, let's think out of the box. We've done, if we've made a mistake somewhere, we own it, we say it's ours, and then we just park it aside and then we, we change course. So those are the things that we need to do in terms of making sure that we're receptive to those changes to go forward. But aren't they also, I mean, some of the things that you're working on is also bringing new innovative business ideas, right? Mm -hmm. To even add to what CenturyLink already has been doing in the last X amount of years. You know, with the level three, you know, merger into, you know, to CenturyLink, that brings opportunity to new new business lines, right? Well, in, in, in many ways, right? One is, of course, the, the two companies coming together, we have a lot of wonderful resources, and uh, experience are coming together. And that diversity of thought that I was talking about is coming together in that sense as well. Um, they have, you know, they being, you know, former century linguists, former level three, they have great experiences in their own specific domains. Now coming together, we leverage that quite a bit in terms of advancing the business. Yeah, let's talk a little bit more about kind of that merger. I don't know how much you can share on the podcast. We don't need to break news here or anything, but it's a really big deal. When we talked on, I think it was, like the second episode with Alvina, she used to be the head of M&A at Dell. And that was a huge issue. And it's something that she's seen at Zora. How do you look at that type of an integration at such an enormous scale from an IT perspective? Yeah, how do you do that? You know, the two IT teams now coming together as one, they have come together as one. And actually, it's been a pretty smooth transition. These are the teams that in many cases, they've known each other for many, many years. It's a small industry, you know. So so we've been working together for many, many years, not coming under the same family. Of course, it's refreshing for, for many of us. And and that journey, of course, you know, there are some things that, you know, you have to, you know, put this system, what about that system? You know, of course, we, you know, we work on those things and, you know, we make plans. And, of course, we continue with the plans. But it's one team now. And, and I think that if you look at what we are delivering, even within the year of the merger, which is this year, the year of integration, is tremendous amount of work that is being delivered for the business on top of what we're integrating. That tells you that the team is a high-performing team. They work very well together, and they're pretty in tune with the business to deliver results. Especially in the service area, the service cloud area, right? Especially. You know, I, you know, I think the difference in that question is that if you're an organization that does M&A scarcely or, or hardly ever, that's, that's one kind of conversation. If you're in a conversation like CenturyLink, who's done multiple M&As, right, you know, they have a pattern of how they would go about doing those. I mean, I've done 42 M mergers in my, in my lifetime. I'm not that old, of course. But, but you know, it's, it's interesting when you think you start out with a, a concept of how you do mergers, and then when you actually get into the rhythm of doing them, you end up doing a framework and have an organization that's built and be able to do that. But you still have, and that's one of the reasons why you did the service cloud, you know, because you had the swivel situation. Yeah. You know, you had these back-end systems that are from these other companies, and that's why you did the service cloud. Absolutely. So if I may talk about that just for a couple of minutes, you know, even in the course of the integration, and that tells you, you know, level three was an enterprise business, purely enterprise business, where CenturyLink was enterprise and consumer. Now the two IT teams come together, 
and they have to deliver something for a consumer business. And the consumer business was a business that was, you know, good solid business, albeit the systems were very much archaic. All two billing systems. I always joke around and say, you know, some of these billing systems are older than I am, and I'm not that old. <laughs> so if you look at these two systems, each of them had many different front ends. So if you went to one of the call centers and you sat down in the call center, you would see a CSR, customer sales agent or, or service agent. You would see them looking at, you know, eight or nine open applications to just take care of the customer. A serial trip between maybe even two systems. If, for example, one customer was in a Chris territory, one was in an ensemble territory. So very, very difficult. So we actually, we use Service Cloud to bring a single pane of glass and consolidate all of that complexity in the back end. Like I said a little earlier, we want to take complexity away from our customers. That also includes our employees. By consolidating eight or nine or 10 open applications to only one and you know, automating all the back end using Service Cloud, we've been able to completely change that employee experience and therefore and much better results for our customers. For 5,000 agents. Yeah, I was just going to say, I mean, what's the scale of that? Pretty large, yeah, 5,000 5, wow. agents. And, and we started doing that last year, implementing it, and we're fully live now. So the time to market is also great. Whereas if you looked at, for example, if you were going to write a CRM platform on, from scratch, it would take us four years to, to do that. And we, we do a lot of software development ourselves. Yeah, when I talk about that, so how do you build a culture of innovation within the company and within IT. Because I think we get into citizen development a little bit later, but first kind of this notion that we need to innovate internally as a company while we keep the lights on. I think that that's one of the you know common yeah. themes that we hear a lot in IT visionaries, that two-track kind of keep it, the systems running while we're pushing innovation. How do you spread that throughout the organization and what are the kind of like tactical things that you do to make sure that that's happening? You know, we question everything. We constantly ask ourselves, is this the right way to do it? Again, like I said before, just because we've done it this way in the past doesn't mean that's a good way to go forward. And, you know, we're always looking at what is out there in terms of, and we have, by the way, we have an innovation team that actually constantly looks at what is out there. Is that, are you talking like startup technology? Startup like? technologies. We're looking at our, you know, other industries outside of, you know, telco cable, which, you know, if you look at, for example, retail, when it comes to retail, the retail businesses are the larger ones, especially are very, very good at using data analytics to segment customers and target customers. So we use those types of, those types of things as well. I'm in the Valley at least once a month. Uh, and I go there for a couple of days just to look at what is out there. What is the new technologies that are coming? And within IT, of course, you know, these guys are, you know, all of us are very hungry for new technology and what is out there. So we're, we're pretty abreast of that, what is coming up. But we're a technology company. So even our product marketing team, and I know we'll talk about this a little later, whether, you know, so that how do we get involved, the rest of the business, into innovation. Yeah, I mean, we can do that innovation. now. So, that natural curiosity is there. I mean, you know, our, our sales teams, our service teams, they're also looking at technologies and they ask, call me and say, hey, Cameron, have you looked at this thing? It could really help us do X, Y, or Z. You know, I love to hear that and see how we can leverage from the business experience and, and the smart people that we have in the business. How can we leverage that and bring and incubate newer technologies into, into CenturyLink? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a really obvious thing to look at and say, 
hey, we should probably have everyone in the company be a sensor for looking for two new technologies. Oh, and yeah. if you work in sales or marketing or HR, and now with things with low code stuff, you can actually like build an app in an afternoon or something like that. I think it's really empowering for the employee. Like, I think that that's something where everybody wants to make a difference and they want to say this problem needs solving, but also it's a pretty good signal internally to say, Hey, if someone's going to go and try to spend four hours or eight hours to try to build an application, like maybe that's something they really, really want for the business. Yeah. That's why you built your COEs, right? I mean, yeah. So, so a couple of things, I, I totally agree with what you're saying, albeit there has to be some kind of a governance on top of it. Otherwise, you're going to have a hodgepodge of different systems and applications that we can never integrate. And then the cost of maintaining those applications and the cost of that cost to the business will keep rising. And that's not where we want to be. We actually want that, that cost to go down. So we do, from an IT perspective, it's our job to provide that target architecture. And within that, then empower our users and our colleagues to go and say, hey, this is the architecture. And I'll give you an example on that. We're using more and more RPAs within the company, robotics process automation, to automate a lot of our manual processes. There is more demand than IT can handle. It's just too much. And what we're doing now, we're actually training our employees who are more technical and they have a passion for this in different business units. And we say, you know what? Here's a tool. Here's how you can program these RPAs and you guys do it yourselves and we'll coach you, we'll, we'll help you. It is also very encouraging for them because they feel like they're part of the process. And of course, like I said, we have smart people in the organization. They love doing these types of work. So that's one prominent example I can think of. Another one is data analytics. You know, we provide the basics, we you know the data lake and, and we prepare the data, but we want actually our users to go in there and use our tools to do their own predictive reportings. And of course, we'll help them. So in, in that sense, we are, we're keeping a target architecture within the organization, keeping the cost down while empowering our users to use the technology or even develop on it and contribute to, to what IT does, which is, I think is a win-win situation. So we've created these COEs late last year, early this year. And these COEs are, we have 10 of them, and they're very domain-specific. So we have, for example, one for CRM that actually Salesforce lives within it. There is 15, 16 people in these COEs. These are not governance COEs. These are working, working teams. So you have a handful of people from IT, but you also have people from wholesale. You have people from enterprise business. You have people from consumer business. And these guys, as a COE, they come together and they basically lay the roadmap as what needs to happen in the CRM. And actually, many of them are very involved with development, the roadmap itself, and also development of the platform to go forward. It also is not where the incubator of ideas that you need to think about a little bit and then are not fully baked out, you make a decision to put those in the innovation. Yeah, we have, we have uh, that definitely can happen within a COE. Within our architecture team, we have a team that looks at newer technologies and we do POCs, proof of concepts with various vendors and partners. And we see if we can incubate those ideas, if they're disruptive and we can use them, then how can we incubate those ideas into, or those tools and platforms into our uh, IT systems. So, and then do you personally look at those? Like how, and then once you have those type of things, how are you pitching leadership on, hey, I think that, you know, these things would be interesting or is it just Cameron says, let's, let's no, do it. You know, funny enough, I'm actually the one who's leading this the most because like I said, I'm in the Valley once a month, you know, and I have a passion for, for new technologies and, and I have a passion for customer. So those two coming together, 
helps me, really drives me to look at what's out there. How can we use technology to make our customers' lives easier? So I actually champion those in our team, and, and I really believe in leadership by example. So you know, I can't just delegate that stuff to, to somebody else. But the team is excited about this. And you know, we don't go and try to solve everything. You know, we, we look at five technologies in a year. People are busy. You know, we don't, can't do it all the time. And we do maybe three or four POCs, and, and maybe one of those is a great concept that we can really bank on. Well, are you going to like like YC Demo Day and 500 Startups? Or are you going to like, <laughs> you know, like what type of things are, I do. are you I doing? Sometimes, I sometimes go to like some venture capitals and, and they have like eight companies. And yeah. in a given day, I you know, from eight in the morning until like almost eight o'clock at night, I go and look at all these companies, eight companies, seven companies and see what they do. And, and I say, you know, six of them are great, but they don't really have any application in our business. But, you know, that one could be very interesting. So that's one way of doing it. And of course, you know, as I go to Dreamforce, interface with vendors and our partners like, you know, Blue Wolf and IBM, what do you, you know, what are some of the newer things you're working on? I mean, how that's how Watson came to our organization. So that's that's we they're not just one one avenue. There are many, many avenues. And and our team, my colleagues are doing the same thing. My peers and my IT colleagues, they do the same thing. They look at different technologies in their own respective domains so that they, they have a good understanding of that technology. And they say, hey, Cameron, that could be very interesting. And I do look at every single one of them. Are you talking about colleagues in business or, or yeah. on the business side? Colleague in the business side, like I said in the earlier, not to the extent that what we do in technology, yeah. of course. But yeah, they come, they come up with ideas and they send me an email. Hey, take a look at this. We think it's very interesting. It could be a great application in our business. Do you think, I mean, it seems like you have a really strong relationship, like IT business partnership with the business units. Is that, how did you build that? And is that something that you feel like, you know, if you're getting those type of emails, that's a good sign, right? It's like, hey, they they trust me to be, you know, that advisor, but also able to execute on those. Like, how how did you kind of build that? Well, I'm still building that. Let me not paint the utopia. It's not there yet. Like I said, I've been with the company for less than two years and and the merger happened just less than a year ago. So a lot of the colleagues that I have who are business unit leaders, I just got to know them this year and I am building a good relationship with them. I believe the answer to your question is really one word, is transparency. We've got to be transparent with our business partners. We've got to let them know what we're working on and what are our pain points and how we can resolve their pain points. Through that, I think a trust can be built. The other thing is you have to make sure that, you know, as an as a IT department, you're focused on the business, not on IT. You know, the business doesn't care and shouldn't care about how many applications you're managing, how many systems you're managing. That's not their problem. That's not our customer's problem. And, you know, I don't want to be the one telling you, well, I can't do that because the system is X, Y, or Z. I don't want to do that. And I want to say, okay, let me go find that solution for you. To do that, I have to be embedded in their business. I have to understand what their pain point is. And I, as in IT, I don't mean me as a person, but the whole team has to understand that. So, you know, if you look at our VPs in IT, our VPs have two little lines of reporting, one to me, one to the business unit that they're reporting to. So they're all IT employees, but they're embedded within the business. And they attend their staff meetings, ops reviews, and, and by being embedded in there and understanding their pain points and their their needs, we try to solve those problems. That creates credibility with the business. And it's something that, you know, is not something you do for a month or two or three. This is something that you do perpetually. But also you've been thinking 
you know, over the last year of different ways to help build the culture, right? And mm-hmm. change the culture. You know, we talked about design thinking at one time. Yeah. And we talked about, you know, how to reinvent or reimagine different people doing different things as far as with the organization IT and within the business. Definitely. Well, you know, culture is, is interesting. What you're saying is absolutely right. We've been trying to do that. But culture is something that expands throughout the organization. You know, Jeff Story, our CEO, is very much committed to a one company, one culture theme. And we're investing a lot in terms of money, time, effort to create that culture. And like I said, that comes from the top. So our leadership team is very, very committed to that. And we're actually, I think, on a very good way to create that one company, one culture in a very short time that these two massive companies have come together. Let's get into some of our lightning round questions. Cindy, you've already answered these, so you don't, although you can always weigh in. You can weigh in whenever you want. These are fast and easy questions. You have not seen them ahead of time. Fast and easy like the lightning platform by Salesforce. Okay, first question. What app on your phone are you using that is the most fun? It's the most fun. You know, I, I use OneNote a lot. I have it, I, you know, I take notes on it. That's I write fun. my thoughts on it. It is fun. I can capture my thoughts on that. And you know what? The moment I close it, I can then go home and it's on my computer. So I, it, it's, it's one I use the most. So it has to be fun. <laughs> well, so the next question is, what app are you using or what tool are you using that makes you the most productive? So I feel like that one's OneNote. That would be OneNote. <laughs> you know, I was going to say, you know, I spend a lot of time on my emails because I, you know, I always say if I had a bucket that was full of cash that worked the same way as my emails did. Yeah. The more I take out of it, I just could never empty it, right? <laughs> I wish I had that. Because that's what my email is. My inbox is like that. The more, you know, I, I try to, you know, I go through it and I clear it and literally an hour later, it's like 54 emails in there. So I was like, why don't, don't I have a bucket with money like that? Well, we put my email address in the show notes so people could reach out if they had questions. And boy, was that an interesting experiment. <laughs> um, so I am definitely no longer at Inbox Zero, that's for sure. Right. Okay, what recent podcast or book have you read or listened to that you particularly liked? There's a series of podcasts that are made by a very, very dear friend of mine, Sudhir Ispahani. And Sudhir was the former CTO of uh, Liberty Global. And it's called Cracking the Code. It's a podcast of a lot of thought leaders on leadership, thought leadership. And actually, I did, I did my recording as well on that one. And oh, nice. So you can look, look me up on that one as well. But a lot of leaders in there, much, much better than mine, <laughs> me, myself. It's fun to listen to, to them. I think it'll be published later on this month. Oh, yeah. I would encourage people to go take a look at that if they're interested in leadership coming from very big names. We'll, pro- we'll promote it on IT Visionaries. Great. What use of chatbots or AI have you been specifically impressed with? We use Watson behind our you know, chatbot that we have. And the machine learning and that is, is amazing. So that is something we implemented last year at CenturyLink. And it's actually doing pretty well. Again, from analytics perspective, you know, we also use Google which is more open source, you know, we have a bit mm-hmm. more flexibility, with, but Watson is pretty embedded within our call centers. Any cool stuff that you've seen from people engaging chatbots? I know one, we spoke with um, Jeff G. Tulsi who created the shopbot for eBay. Mm-hmm. And he was saying that one of the things they didn't realize were how much 
people send emojis to the chatbot. They like they know they're talking to the chatbot. They're like they're like sending emojis and stuff back and forth to it, which is really funny. Yeah, you're right. It's it's more like a text platform anymore, right? It's the same kind of a connotation. Every once in a while, I take a look at that, you know, to see what what type of messages we get. Because you know, again, not to get not to make a fun subject boring, but. You know, we do actually sit with our call center agents and we listen to calls and we look at the, how the system performs and, you know, how uh, our customers are getting getting their answers. So, yeah, you're right. <laughs> now that you mentioned it, there are a lot of emojis in yeah, there. Yeah, I know. It's funny. <laughs> it's a good way to express your feelings um, without being offensive. <laughs> favorite team, sports or otherwise? Ohio State Buckeyes. Oh, all I'm right. an OSU graduate, you know, undergrad grad, so it's in my blood. We had a close one. I'm an Army fan, and okay. that was a close. Yes, thing. yes, that's right. <laughs> Favorite show you're watching? I'm watching Ozark. Oh, yeah, me too. Right now. Why? It's good. I'm actually in season two. I'm in season two as well. It's I like it a lot, and I like Ranch on uh, oh, yeah. Netflix. Favorite one-day getaway in Monroe, Louisiana? <laughs> No, there are, there are a lot of, you know... Oh, I can't wait here. Outdoorsy place. It's uh, People are wonderful over there. They're very nice people. I really enjoy the people over there. And the nature is amazing. So if you like to go and take a look at alligators in the Black Bayou, that's a good place to be. There's supposed to be some good restaurants on the Bayou, too. Good, good southern cuisine. You know, absolutely. I have... I won't name any favorites because I like a lot of them and I don't want to alienate the rest of them. <laughs> Best advice for a first-time CIO? Listen... And be open and transparent and talk to your people. Those those three things. Talk talk when I say your people, I mean talk to the individual contributors in your group. Don't just talk to your direct reports. Spend time with the people. They know a lot more about how the business is running, the nuts and bolts of the business, and get them in there and listen to them. Final question of lightning round. What technology are you most excited about right now? I think machine learning is probably on top of my list because the, the possibilities are li limitless in terms of how much we can leverage from that to move away from mundane routine processes, let the machines handle it. And I think at CenturyLink, we are now very fast growing in that area. Even with the RPAs, our next step with RPAs is actually put machine learning behind it so that when things go out of process, the machines can still figure out how to resolve those issues. That's it for the lightning round. Fast and easy questions. Thanks again to our friends at Salesforce and the lightning platform. You can go to salesforce.com slash build apps and learn more. Thank All you, right. Ian. Final thoughts. That's all we got for today. Anything else? It was great. Thank you, Ian. Appreciate it. Cindy? Thank you, Cameron. Thank you, Cindy. Thank you Ian. So yeah. always nice to talk to you. Absolutely. Wonderful. Thank you again to our friends at Salesforce. IT Visionaries is brought to you by the Lightning Platform by Salesforce, a leading cloud platform that makes building AI-powered apps faster and easier. With Salesforce, now everyone can build apps for their organization. Learn more at salesforce.com slash buildapps. <laughs>